turn this on. Well, it's great to be here today and um, happy anniversary. And uh, it's great to um, have the privilege of speaking to you this morning. I love anniversaries. You may think I'm a bit weird, but I love birthdays. I love New Year. I love starting a new diary. I love starting a new exercise book. <laughs> Is anyone else like that or I'm the only odd bod here? <laughs> Anniversaries are wonderful things. Days of remembrance are wonderful things. Anzac Day, um, where we remember those who have fallen. And I love the times we have in our church fellowships of remembrance of the Lord's table. Those things are very important. Very important that we can look back. Uh, sort of uh, an anniversary, sort of like a little uh, watershed. Uh, we look back and see where we've come from. We've seen the Lord's blessings. We perhaps remember the difficult times that God has brought us through. And then we look forward. We look where we are now. And uh, that's the challenge of the hour, where we are now. And by faith, we look forward. And uh, we look forward based on how we live now in the faith and in the Lord. And uh, anniversary time should be a time where we can look back and count our blessings, remember the things that God has done with thanksgiving, and to look forward in the days ahead. Today, as we celebrate our 33 years of this church, um, 33 years of age, when you, when you turn 33, I guess from 30 on upwards, you're considered to be mature. Uh, you've considered to have perhaps uh, done all your necessary preparation for life, be it university or a trade course or whatever form of education we take. When, it gets, when we get to the age of 30, it's time we, now, now we really get down to work, okay? Um, and, um, and it's a time when we uh, get going. I remember when I turned 30, um, I thought I still had a ways to go. But anyway, uh, I remember it was, a, it was a pinnacle time of my life where, uh, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was, remember being, uh, youthful exuberance, the age of 30. In the scriptures, uh, we read that Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh the king. And um, in Numbers 4, 443, we read a man is, uh, needs to be 30 years old and upward to serve in the congregation of the Lord. So there's a, a significance of 30 in, uh, in the scriptures. And uh, as a church, this church has reached 33 years of age and that speaks to me of a mature church, a mature church, a church that is strong in faith, a church that is ready to get going. And so our time today in the Word of God, I'd like us to have this to be a time of encouragement, a time of perhaps personal examination in our own hearts 
as, uh, as I want to talk today about faith. And uh, we'll be considering um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We won't be doing all of these verses. But the purpose of this chapter in Hebrews 11 is to teach us what it means to have not just faith, but to how to have strong faith, how to have a spiritual faith, a biblical faith, a mature faith. If I was to ask you this morning, how is your faith? <laughs> how is your faith? What would your answer be? How would you honestly answer that question this morning? Often when we greet one another, we say, how are you going? How are you feeling? <laughs> Perhaps we should say, how are you faithing? Now, that's not a word, but it's a good thought. What's your faith like? We know that from Romans 10, 17, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we cannot have faith in God apart from hearing and knowing and believing the word of God. And so this 11th chapter of Hebrews covers uh, the waterfront when it comes to living a life of faith. Sorry about that. I shouldn't have moved that. <laughs> you tell me when I've gone long enough, man. Yes, the 11th chapter of Hebrews covers the waterfront, if, uh, so to speak, when it comes to living a life of faith in God. Now, all of us here are pretty well taught, so I don't need to spend a lot of time in explaining this chapter. We're familiar, I'm sure, with Hebrews chapter 11. And, uh, and so because of, our, uh, because of that and because of our limited time, uh, this morning I'd like us just to consider verses 32 to the end of the chapter. In verse 32 to 35, we see some amazing victories of faith. Verse 32. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail to tell me of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Now, if we were to end there, just with that description, we would say, "Woo! I want to be a man of faith. I want to be a woman of faith. Look at this able to, to, to quench um, uh, 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 fire, were able to, to stand against all sorts of, of powers uh, who were able to yeah, stop the mouth of lions, quench the violence of fire and uh, fight the armies, fight armies. What a, if, that's what all, if that's all it said, I'm sure we'd say, I want to be a person of faith, that's me. That's the kind of life I want. But there are two words here that some of us may not like. 
And it says, and others. Verse 35. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Something must have been wrong with these people, do you think? They must not have had faith as much as the, those in the pre, uh, above them in verses 32 and 33. But now we read in verse 39, all these, all of them, had faith, having obtained, sorry, all of these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Each of them received a good report. On their report card, they would have received high distinctions. How were they able to stand? By faith. <laughs> How did they endure? It was by faith. From this chapter in Hebrews, we learn that a life of faith does not guarantee a trouble-free life. I'm sure we would all say amen to that, we, if that's our experience. If we are people of faith, we know that's true. But this morning I would like us just to consider three principles we need to have in place in our lives if we are to have a mature faith. God wants all of us here to have a mature faith. And as I said, as we are here on this 33rd anniversary, we need to, by God's grace, look forward. And the way we can look forward is by looking where we are now. We need to consider how we are faithing today. In verse, um, so my first point is this. Mature faith, to have a mature faith, believes in the supernatural power of God. Look at verse 35, uh, 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah of David, also of Samuel and of the prophets, who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousnesses, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned the flight of armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. All these are supernatural, supernatural deliverance from God. And we love those stories, don't we? We love the stories. We learnt them from childhood. Stories like Daniel in the lion's den. They said to Daniel, Daniel, don't pray or we'll throw you into a den of lions. What did he do? He prayed. He was thrown into a den of lions. But then God came and shut the mouths of those lions. God delivered Daniel and God got the glory. We love those stories, don't we? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They said, bow down to the pagan idol, Nebuchadnezzar, or we'll cast you into a fiery furnace. They said, we're not going to worship. We're not going to bow. 
to your pagan idol. They were thrown in the fiery furnace. There in that fiery furnace, they had a fourth person there in that fire and that was the Lord Jesus. These men wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend and they wouldn't burn <laughs> because God was with them. God delivered them. Jesus walked through the fire with them and when they came out, they didn't even smell of the smoke. They were not even singed. God delivered these men and God received the glory. Notice in all these instances, God got the glory. There was an acknowledgement of the mighty hand of God. What a mighty God they served. David and Goliath, we love the story as well. Goliath over nine foot tall, everyone was afraid of Goliath, but, young, but not young David. Everyone thought, Goliath, he's so big. He's too big to hit. Goliath, David thought, too big, he's too big to miss. <laughs> Look at the size of him. <laughs> I've hit a bear running at a, with a rock and a slingshot. This bloke's just standing there. What a shot. Everyone was looking at how big Goliath was. But David saw him as puny in the sight of God. What did David say? Thou comest to me, First Samuel 17, verses 45 and 46. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou defiest. This day will, I, will the Lord, notice where David's directing, this day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand and I will smite thee, I will take thine head from off thee, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. God gave David the victory over this giant and God received the glory. We love these stories, don't we? A mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. And don't ever say that our God is unable. I'm sure that as you can look back over the 33 years, you can see victories where God has done a miracle. Oftentimes we forget about those times, don't we? But don't ever say that God is unable or God is limited to do anything. God cannot do anything. God can do anything but fail. So mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. This is the first principle we see of having a mature faith. Secondly, we see that mature faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. There's the supernatural power of God, but there's also God's sovereign purposes. Sometimes God, God's ways are mysterious. Sometimes we can't understand why. Ever been there? Why has this happened? If we look at verses 35 and to 39, we won't read them again, but we, we read of, of, of those who, who have faith being tortured, being delivered, those who are, were suffering mockings and scourgings, uh, in the bonds of imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder. They were slain with the sword and so on. We love the exciting stories, but sometimes they don't always come 
sorry, we, we love the exciting victories, but sometimes they don't always come. The Bible here talks about and others. The Bible says that some were stoned. Zechariah the prophet was possibly stoned to death. We read in, of Jesus' words in Matthew 23, verse 35. Jesus said that from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barachias, whom ye slew the temple, between the temple and the altar. Verse 37, we see that they were sawn in sunder. That puts chills up my spine when I think of that. Most likely this refers to Isaiah. There's no specific reference in the scriptures, but in the Talmud it says that Isaiah suffered martyrdom by being sawn in two under the orders of Manasseh. In verse 37 of Hebrews, they wandered around in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Evil and wicked men seem to take great delight in torturing godly people. That hasn't changed. It happens today. Early Christians were sometimes dressed in the skins of animals and then wild animals would hunt them and kill them. In the times of Nero, Christians would be fed to the lions. We read these um, events in history and say, why? Well, a mature faith bows to the purposes of God. This is what really puts our faith to the test, to be able to trust God in the things that we don't understand. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians 1.29 that it is given unto you, it is given you in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. Now does this mean that every Christian is going to suffer horrible persecution? Well, no, not necessarily. But but these Philippians did and were suffering great persecution when Paul wrote to them. The Christian's walk is a walk of faith and it is made up of highs and lows, blessings and trials, but all are sent by God to mature us in the faith and the end of this is that God is glorified. And I'm sure that as we think back over the last 33 years, we can see the hand of God in all these things. Warren Weasby said, you better not get your theology from circumstances. If you do, you will come to the conclusion that God doesn't love you. We can't base our theology on our experience. It needs to be based on the word of God. God has not promised that we would have, we would be free of difficulty. In 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul reminds Timothy, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so we see that, that in the midst of the walk of faith, there are times where we have to trust the sovereign power of God. Things that happen that we do not understand. We're not to get the idea that these things only happen to those who, love the, who don't love the Lord. <laughs> we see here that these things happens to those, to the victorious, 
to those who are strong in faith, those who are walking with the Lord. In having an understanding of God's sovereign purposes in our life, we need to have an if-not clause in our faith. We mentioned before about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Turn back to Daniel, over back to Daniel chapter 3. We know the story. The king said, look, if you don't bow down to this image, you are going to be cast into a fiery furnace. (laughs) So what's your answer, says the king, thinking he had the upper hand. Well, the answer came, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, O King, our God is able to deliver. He will certainly deliver us out of your hand. But if he doesn't, it's not because he's not able to. And we are not going to bow down before the image. We notice here that they knew what they were going to do. These fellows didn't have to go into, into an emergency meeting and say, oh boy, we weren't expecting this, what are we going to do? No, they knew exactly what they were going to do. They didn't have to think about it. Their minds were made up. They had a sure faith. They knew that God is able. God has supernatural power. He can do whatever he wants. But they also had a steadfast faith and said that even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't deliver us from this fire, even if we are... Even if we get turned to bacon in this furnace, we are not going to worship your idol. Our God is able, and even if we suffer the death of fire, we are not going to worship you or your idol. I wonder what we would have said in that situation. Are you ready to quit just because God doesn't do the thing that you ask him to do? You better have an if-not clause in your faith. It doesn't mean that your faith is weak. It means that it is stronger than ever. Lord, if this be your will, I'm trusting you for it. But if not, we're going to trust you anyway. That needs to be our resolve. God, I know you are able, but if you do not do it, Lord, I'm going to serve you anyway. I'm going to trust you anyway. Lord, I'm going to live for your glory anyway. Sometimes we don't understand why God does things he does, do we? Back in 2011, my closest and dearest friend in America, uh, Dennis Costello, 
died suddenly and unexpectedly while walking his dog. He was hit by a car while crossing the road at a pedestrian crossing. I had never known grief when I heard that news. Lord, why did this happen? Doesn't make sense. And I'll tell you, for the first time in my life, my faith was tested. I couldn't see the reason or purpose for such a tragedy. What do you do in times like this? What do you do in when these things happen and we just don't understand? Well, you turn to the word of God. That's what we do. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's in times like these that we bow to the sovereign purposes of God. Lord, I know you are all-powerful. Lord, I know your ways are higher than my ways. Even though I don't understand, dear Lord, I'm going to trust you anyway. That's what it means to have a mature faith, an unfailing trust in God's ability to do and be God in our circumstances and in our life. Let me give you another example. In Acts 12, we read that wicked King Herod took James, put him in prison, had him put to death. That made a lot of people happy. So Herod thought, well, that's a good thing. I'll grab Peter and do the same thing. So Peter was taken, put into prison with the intent of being put to death, as James was. But God miraculously delivers Peter from prison. Question. Herod takes James, puts him in prison. Herod takes Peter and he's delivered from prison. Was James a worse sinner than Peter? <laughs> Did God love Peter more than James? Of course not. It was simply God's sovereign plan for James. He got to go to heaven. Often persecution is what builds the church. Are we willing to let God be God? Are you willing to have an if not clause in your faith? Are you willing to dwell with thee and others if necessary? That's the challenge this morning. Now you might say, well, I have faith in God to deliver me from all these things. Well, that's wonderful. And we should. But if he doesn't, do you have faith in God to endure? That's the question. Job said in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In Habakkuk 3, 17, we read, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines, the labour of the olive shall fail, and the fields yield no meat, the flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, can it get any worse? If it does, the prophet says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. We, didn't, we never diminish the supernatural power of God. But mature faith also bows to the sovereign purposes of God. It lets God be God and uh, allow him to take the glory in these situations. Now here's the third principle. Mature faith is based on the settled promises of God. In uh, verses uh, 39 and 40, we notice, and all these, speaking of those who escaped and those who endured, and all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promises of, of God, having provided something better for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Throughout the entire Old Testament period, believing men and women, no matter what their circumstances, looked forward to a coming day in which God's promises would be, as 2 Corinthians says, yea, and in him, amen. These Old Testament examples, uh, people serve as examples and illustrations of faith for us. And what makes them stand out and, and why they are listed here in this chapter is simply because they believed in what God said he will do. Noah, verse 7. Abraham, verse 8. Joshua, verse 22. Sorry, Joseph, verse 22. Joshua, verse 30. Rahab, in verse 31. And the many heroes that followed all lived by faith in God and in his word. Verse 40, and having provided for us, some, having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. The Old Testament saints had only the shadows. We have the substance. They had good things. We have better things. Thus the writer of Hebrews applies the lessons from all the lives he has been considering, applies them with great leverage and tremendous pressure, not just to the lives of the Hebrew Christians, for them to remember, for them to take heed, for them to take the example of those, not just for them, but he wrote them for us as well. We need to go on. The writer of Hebrews says... Go on. Consider these. Never go back. Go on. Press on. Look at these examples of faith. Romans 15.4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God intended this inspiring chapter to encourage us to continue to trust and obey him in all circumstances of life. That in the midst of trial and temptation we may endure by faith in him and not by turning away. We are to follow hard after God. We are to follow him. Mature faith believes in the supernatural power of God. Mature faith bows to the sovereign purposes of God. 
And mature faith is based upon the steadfast promises of God. We could have said a lot more today on these points. But let me ask you, how are you faithing today? What is your faith like? Could you say, I have a mature faith. I believe, I, I, yes, that's me. Or perhaps there's areas of your life that are failing. My prayer for all of us is that we will be, we will grow to be, as we stand at this little watershed today and we look back and we look forward and say, Lord, if you're going to do a work here in this place going forward after 33 years into the 34th year and as you tarry, it depends on my faith in you today of how we stand of how we can move forward as a church and be faithful to you in these days. My prayer is that we, all of us will be Christians of mature faith and this is how God wants us to be, people who believe his word. Amen. Thanks, Pastor.